Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Some of you, this is your first time. Many of you know that just a few weeks ago we began looking at Isaiah chapter 61, which is a vision of the Freedom Centre. So you want to know what we're all about. This is a good Sunday, and these are good Sundays to find out who we are, what our vision is, what our task is, what our goals are. And uh, we've been coming, and we will come at this chapter. We're not going through it line by line, but we're coming at it from different angles. Do you know when you come at something from different, you know, Susan always, when I take a photograph of Susan, husbands, you know this, you take a picture of your wife, your dearly beloved, uh, before you post it anywhere, before you print it, before you use it, they like to see it, don't they? And they want to see what angle you've got, <laughs> whether it's your good side or your bad side. And uh, you know that's true, ladies, don't you? you know, you're looking at me like, me? No, that's true. And uh, so, and you want to see what angle. So we're going to come at Isaiah 61 from all sorts of different angles. And so you're going to see it from different sides. And uh, it's all good. That's the great thing. It's all good. And I want to continue on from where we left off last week. Uh, last week we were talking about our mind, about how we need a renewed mind. We need to see ourselves differently. We need to see God differently. We need to see our circumstances and our future differently. And that's why we need a renewed mind. And in my Bible, I don't know about yours, uh, at the top of Isaiah 61, it says the good news of salvation. So we're looking at a chapter which is good news. Good news. The gospel that you have accepted, if you have accepted it, is not bad news. It's good news. And I think sometimes in church... We just give the impression it's bad news, it's doom, it's gloom, it's religion, it's attendance, it's just keep the upper, stiff upper lip, it's whatever, and it's, but this chapter and the gospel is full of good news. And this week I want to jump down a few verses uh, from where we've been, I've been concentrating really in verse 1, I want to jump down, look at it from a totally different angle. And I want to jump down to verses 6 and 7, and hopefully, boom, we've got a screen, we've got a computer, and we've got some verses. And I just want to read Isaiah 61, and then I'm going to link it uh, with some verses from the book of Job 42. And uh, this is what it says in Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 7. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me and you, to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty 
for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Verse 4, and they shall rebuild the old ruins, they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. And the sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. I like that. And in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. And then we're going to jump across to uh, the book of Job and uh, chapter 42. Going to read from verse 7 through to verse 13. And so it was after the Lord had spoken these words to Job that the Lord said to whoever his name is, The Temanite, my wrath is aroused against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, and my servant Job has. Now therefore, take for yourselves seven bulls, seven rams, go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you, for I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly. Because you have not spoken of me what is right, my servant Job has. So Elithiaz the Temanite and Bildad the Shuite and Zophar whoever else ate, went and did as the Lord commanded them, for the Lord had accepted Job. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had had before. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him in his house. And they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and a ring of gold. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. (laughs) <laughs> For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And uh, God will bless the reading of his word. Hallelujah. That's brilliant. My title for this morning is Double for your trouble. Double for your (laughs) trouble. And that's brilliant. Double for your trouble. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. Good news. They shall call you the servants of our God. Good news. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. Good news. And in their glory you shall boast. Good news. Instead of your shame, you shall receive double honor. Good news. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Good news. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Good news. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. 
good news. You see, Isaiah was authorized and directed by God to write these words to proclaim liberty for the Jews in Babylon. That's what he was saying. He was saying to the Israelites, this is good news. This is good news. This is what God's going to do. He's going to do all this and this and this and this. Instead of your shame, you shall receive honor. Everything's going to be double, guys. That's what he was doing. The only thing was, he wasn't just writing it for them. (laughs) One day, Jesus stood up in the temple and he wasn't speaking to the Jews. He was speaking to every person who decided to name the name of Christ. He was authorized and directed one day in the temple to proclaim liberty from the bondage of the human race. So that's me, that's you. For everyone who decides to accept Jesus as Lord, it's all, Isaiah 61, is for us and it's for good news. So what was promised to Israel was promised to you and I. For today, for always. As much as it was promised to the children of Israel, it was promised to the children of God. So all of us have to be preachers, healers, deliverers, comforters, planters, 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 planters. All of us. All of us. Every single one, every single son and daughter of Jesus. So this is our commission, Isaiah 61. This is our commission. This is like a letter from heaven saying, this is what I'm going to promise you, and this is what I want you to do. So it's not just for the pastors. Not the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on the pastor. It's me. I love that word, me. And so much in the kingdom we think it's for somebody else. And we, say, and we forget to take possession ourselves. It's, like, it's for me. So let me tell you, children of Israel, Isaiah saying, let me tell you, people of God, but also Jesus is saying, let me tell you, Freedom Center, let me tell you, Christians in the year 2015, I'm going to turn around your life so much that you're not going to believe it. I'm going to give you double. Everything is going to change. And when you've been through stuff in your life, if you've been through nothing, then you think, oh, well, that's, that's nice. But then things are just nice anyway. But if you've been through hell, if you've been through difficulties, if you've been through pain or or in pain, then a word from God like this is just like oil on a sore. It's like like food to a starving man. And Israel was authorized and Jesus was authorized to say what God is saying. He's saying... What's he saying? You're going to be the head and you're not going to be the tail. You're going to be above and you're not going to be beneath. You're going to be the first and you're not going to be the last. You're going to be lenders and not borrowers. You're going to have double for your trouble. Instead of your shame, you're going to have double honor. Instead of confusion, you'll be rejoicing. Or I can hear somebody saying, oh yeah, but life's not like that. I can't see that. I don't have that. I haven't experienced that. My life doesn't speak of that. It doesn't matter what your life is like now. It's what your life's going to be like in time to come. It matters more what your life's than what your life's like now. It matters what God has promised. And Susan and I always made it that when we promised our children something, we would do it. We would do it. We'd follow through. And uh, our children will tell you whether we did that or not. 
But we always tried to do what we had promised. And if you go to court, you promise and you make an oath to tell the truth, the honest truth, and nothing like the truth sometimes. But you do, don't you? You promise to tell the whole truth. So help me God, they say. And you swear by God's name. Why do we swear by God's name? Because he is the highest authority. God God can't find anything or anybody by which he can swear. Because we always swear by a higher authority. You sign a contract, and if you don't follow through from what you've signed that contract, there are consequences. (laughs) Isn't there? If you you buy a house and you put down 10% deposit, and you signed the contract, it's called the exchange of contracts, and you put down 10%, 5%, whatever you put down, if you don't follow through with the contract, the completion contract, there are consequences, isn't there? And I've had situations where people have exchanged contracts with me when they're buying a house that I owned, and then, it's not my own house, don't worry, it was a business thing, and, <laughs> and they've exchanged But then they do not complete for whatever reason. And then you forfeit what you have put down. Also, you're you're up to being sued for what the, the seller's losses are as well. So there are consequences when you make an oath and you swear by something that you will do. Well, God says in Genesis 22 verse 16, he says, I swear I'm going to bless you. Amen. I swear I'm going to bless you. He doesn't say, I swear, and I'll put, my, I'll put heaven on the, on the line for it, or I'll put this on the line, or put that in the line. He says, no, my name's enough, because my name's the highest name. You understand? So he says, I promise you, I swear, I'm going to bless you. He says in Isaiah 61, I'm going to give you double for your trouble. Deuteronomy 28, 13, he says, you're going to be above and not beneath. Now, you think, when somebody says something to you, you say, well, that's fine. We'll see, we'll see what happens. You know, I'll, I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll do the next thing. Yeah, that's fine. That's great. And you back, back of your mind, you're thinking, we'll see. But you see, God's not like that. God would never say it if he didn't mean it. He'd never promise it if he was never going to fulfill it. And when God promises something, it comes to pass. It happens. Because, why? Because he cannot lie. You cannot lie. If I had to say that my top is blue and green, say, okay? You look at it, and if it's not blue and green, you say, well, he's lied. And if you see it's blue and green, you know it's true. But you see, if God was standing here this morning, and he, ha- he said, my top, and he had, a, he had a blue and green top on, he said, my, my top is white, it would become white. You understand? He cannot lie. Everything he says is truth. Just let you think about that. You're thinking about God standing before you this morning. Boy, your faces would change. <laughs> Boy, your attitude would change. Boy, that offering would have changed. Wouldn't it? God's here. I'll not go down that line. I'm tempted to go down that line. I won't. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then God said... Let there be light, and there was light. And you know through the whole book of Genesis 1, chapter 1, 
He's saying things and they're coming to pass all the time. That's why if he said, my shirt is green and it was white, it would become green. Because he said it. He cannot lie. It's truth. He commands things into being. Declares it, declares it, decrees it. So he speaks darkness. Uh, sorry, become, it, light becomes, sorry, darkness becomes light. When he sees darkness, when he sees dryness, he speaks water comes to pass, separates the sky from the sea, brings in winged creatures. All the time, he's speaking it into being. And when God speaks over curses, they become blessings. And he's spoken over you, and he's spoken over me. What we need to do is believe it. You know, we need to believe it and be obedient and wait for it. So no matter what our circumstances currently are, we need to trust and obey. It's like, and it's on this morning, the central heating in your house, when, uh, you know, sometimes when it goes cold, usually it's the lady says to the husband, can you turn the thermostat up? I'm getting a bit chilly. And then he turns obediently, turns the... (laughs) Don't you guys? You're freezing, and he sends your husband, have you turned up the thermostat? And he says, and he's not God, so don't always believe him, but say, he says, yes, and you believe him, and so you go around in your present coldness, your present sort of circumstance, and you think it's okay, because the temperature has been set. It's just a matter of time. So you're relaxed, aren't you? Until you, until you realize when your husband said yes, actually, <laughs> he never turned up at all. <laughs> or, or, like me, yes, you turn it up and you change it and it's set. And then 20 minutes later, click, it's back off again. So, so when your wife says, have you turned the temperature up yet? <laughs> but believe it or not, it's also going... <laughs> I am not giving you permission because I'll have all the ladies in the church after me. God has turned the thermostat up in your life. That's what Isaiah 61 is saying. He's turned the thermostat up and the atmosphere is about to change. It's about to change. It's only a matter of time with God because he's promised it, he's declared it, he's decreed it, and it's been set. And he's working towards it. You're working towards it. So I'm telling you this morning, believe what God is saying in your life. Although things are uncomfortable, although things are difficult, although your life is not ideal, he says, he says, God's word says, he will give you double for your trouble. In any way you have served him, any way you have honored him, any way you have trusted him, any way you have followed him, any way you have obeyed him, there will be double for your trouble. Mark 10 verse 28, Peter began to say, and he was having a moan, he says to Jesus, write to Jesus, we have left everything and followed you. So Jesus said, assuredly I say to you, there's no one who's left houses or brothers and sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, 
and the Gospels who shall not receive, not double, a hundredfold now in this time. <laughs> in this time. Not that time. This time. Houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and lands. And then he says, and persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. No man who's given up houses, double for your trouble. No woman who's suffered on my behalf, God says, double for your trouble. No children who have been deserted, double for your trouble. Even Jesus, dying on a cross, suffering, rejected, abused, physically, mentally, emotionally, he got much, much more than double for his trouble. Look at the trouble Jesus went through. What did he receive? He received the reward for his sufferings. You're looking at me. I'm looking at you. We are the reward for his sufferings. Double for his trouble. I want to zero in on that trouble aspect. It seems to me that the church is often split into two camps. One camp here, one camp there. One camp think it's somehow spiritual to be poor. And the more poor you are, the more godly you are. And there's another group here, maybe it's this group, <laughs> I don't know. Another group think, it's spiritual to be rich. And if you're rich, then you're godly and God has blessed you. And so therefore, you're not like these poor people. I'm blessed of God and I'm doing okay. Thank you very much. Reality and what's intended by God's word and what certainly I'm trying to say to you this morning is double for your trouble. Not double for your slight inconvenience. <laughs> Not double for turning up to church, giving a fair wind. Not double for your offerings. No, it says double for your trouble. Trouble. You see, sometimes we want double for just for turning up. We want double just for hanging in there. Or we've got a headache and you think, no, I'm going to go to church because God says I'm going to get double for my trouble. No, that's not trouble. We think we're under persecution. We know nothing in this country about sacrifice, about persecution, about losing homes, losing brothers, losing sisters, losing lands. We have got other sorts of trouble, but they're not those sorts of trouble. We want double for just nothing, really. And people say, well, you aren't prosperous, so you can't be experiencing all that God has for you. Rubbish. Rubbish. And there's some people, when God has fulfilled his word, and they are blessed, and they have got heavenly blessings, there's people come along and act as judge and jury. Oh, look at them. Say they're a Christian. They know nothing of the trouble. They just see the double. And often in church, we polarize so often. You see it in politics, don't you? polarize so often. So to be poor is not a lack of spirituality. To be rich is not a lack of spirituality either. Does God want everyone a millionaire? No. Does God want everyone poor? No. No. What God promises is he's going to bless us. He's going to bless us. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and it's not British government welfare, let me tell you. And not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. 
Malachi 3.10, bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And therefore, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour you down, what? Pour you down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Philippians 4 verse 19, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Psalm 1 verses 1 to 6, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He takes the trouble to meditate day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields what? Fruit. In its season. You ever had an apple tree and you're frustrated? It's out of season. It's producing no apples. But you know, one day, it's been set. It's been set in nature. That tree will produce apples. It produces fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. You look like, I don't want to be prospered. I don't know. Deuteronomy 28 verse 8, the Lord will command the blessing on you and in your barns, praise God, and in all that you undertake, and he will bless you in the land that the Lord God is giving you. And you're thinking, love it, I'm not blessed, Jack. I'm, my life's a mess. There's one tragedy, one problem after another. Where is this blessing? Well, we read from Job, didn't we? Rich man called Job. And this one day, says in the beginning of Job, one day. Well, this one day was like no other day because Job began to lose every single thing virtually that he had. He got word he had lost his animals. He got word he had lost his servants. Then he got word he had lost his sons and his daughters. That's a bad day. And then he got ill. He had painful boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And then worse than that, his friends came and gave advice. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> when, those, when those friends turn up, oh, you know you're in trouble, don't you? <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> they start to give advice. And, and then even his wife says, look, Job, let me give you a piece of feminine advice. Loving advice. This is the best I can come up with. Curse God and die. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you know you're in a bad way, don't you? You know things are not good when you get to that stage. When that's the best advice your nearest and dearest can say to you. And the rest of the book of Job is a conversation between Job and his friends. Rather depressing. And then at the end, it's a conversation between Job and his God. That is wonderful. Just if you skip the bits in between and go to the end, it's wonderful. Job's friends were saying, you're getting what you deserve. Then God steps in and Job's having a moan. And God says, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Everything you've ever had in your life, Job. All these cattle, all these servants, all these daughters and sons, all that money, all that inheritance. Who do you think gave you that? And Job began to wake up and realize anything he ever had, anything, the clothes he had on or didn't have on, the bed he lay on or whatever it was, the hair on his head, every single thing 
came from God. And Job, Job ends up saying to God, I have uttered what I did not understand. That's one of the best lines in the whole Bible. Because that sums up me and that sums up you. We all do that. Sometimes I just wish. When I look back, Susan was saying earlier on what, you know, some things with the way she had treated pastors and so forth. And sometimes I think back to the things that I've said. And I feel like going back in time and just saying, tapping, tap myself on the shoulder. Just come here a second. Shut up. Just, just shut up. Just shut up. And that's where Job got to the point. He just realized, oh, Job, shut up. You've been talking absolute nonsense. And he says to God, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now, my eyes see you. Therefore, I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. Do you know, often in church life and as Christians, and if you've been brought up in a church or whatever, you've heard about them with the ear. But there needs to come a time when the scales come off your eyes and you realize it's not Jack preaching to you. It's God speaking to you. Worship is to bring you, as it were, through the veil. And then you hear God's word. God's word. And then you think, well, that's just Jack. Okay, disregard everything I say. But listen to his word. His word is true. His word, he cannot lie. And what he says will happen. So let's shut up from what we think. Shut up from our bit of wisdom. Our plans, our goals, our dreams, and simply repent. I've heard about you for the ear, Lord, but now I'm beginning to see the plans you have for me. I'm beginning to realize you've turned up the temperature, and you cannot lie, and you've promised things, and you're telling me to repent from my stupid, stinking thinking. That's what happened with Job. Then God said to his friends, You know what? You behave so badly, I want you to go back to this person you were cursing, and I want you to bless him. Because that's the guy I'm listening to, because I'm going to give him double for his trouble. Because actually, I've been involved in his trouble. I've been involved in his trouble. I didn't cause it, but I allowed it. There's so many troubles I've been through in my life, God didn't cause it. Sometimes it's our own stupidity that's caused it. But God has allowed it. And his friends were told to apologize for their behavior. doesn't say anything about his wife. I don't know. I think maybe. I'm sure. <laughs> and to ask Job to pray for God, to God on their behalf. And God says, I'll accept Job, but I won't accept your stupidity. And what happened? Job 42, verse 10. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave. That's why you should never, ever not forgive somebody. If somebody comes to you and says, I, I want to say sorry. I want you to forgive me. Okay? Accept their apology. And then pray for them. Because God will bless you. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. The Lord gave him it. Didn't work for it. The Lord gave him it. The good news of Isaiah 61 is you're going to get more than you deserve. You're going to get what you don't deserve. Restoration is coming in your life. It may take days, weeks, months, years. But restoration, God says, 
is coming. The dial has been set to double. Some verses say a hundredfold. Well, whatever. The dial's been set and it's on its way. I wonder if you receive it. I wonder if you believe it. I wonder if you want it. I wonder if you're desperate for it. I've been in such desperate situations that a word from God like this was, was just like food to a starving man. It was like a drink to somebody who's thirsty. Because I suddenly realized, you know what? God's on my side. Even though I've been stupid. And you might think, yeah, but I've been stupid. I've caused this. God says, I'm still on your side. Isn't that amazing? He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Yes, you've been stupid. Yes, you've got yourself in a mess. But I'm for you. I'm for you. So we need to believe it. We need to remind God that he's promised it. We need to be willing to wait for it. Like the good Samaritan to the innkeeper. You know, when the good Samaritan took pity on the man who had been set upon by thieves... He paid for his keep and then he said to the innkeeper, whatever it has cost you to do my will, I will repay you. What a picture of God. (laughs) What a picture of God. The master says, he will repay you. He will repay you. Every time you've kept going when other people have given up, he will repay you. Every time you've worked in your hands and other people just fold their hands, God says, I'll repay you. Every time you get back up when other people knocked you down, He will repay you. Every time you said nothing when everything in you wanted to mouth off, God says, I'll repay you. Every time you spoke up when everyone else shut up, He will repay you. Every time you gave when there was hardly anything in your purse, He says, I will repay you. Every time you gave love and all you got back was rejection, he says, I will repay you. Promises from God. He says this morning. Isaiah says this morning. Job says, just wait. Jesus says, I will repay you. I've promised, I've declared it double for any trouble you've had on my behalf. Double for serving me. Double for loving me. Double for giving to me. Doesn't that make you want to shout hallelujah? Because you know what you've served. You know how you've given. You know how you've been through persecution. You know how you've been upset. You know how you've been abused spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. You know what's happened. And God says, I've not forgotten. I've not forgotten. I'm going to give you double for your trouble. And just for clarification, I'm not talking just about money. Money is just money. I'm talking about love. I'm talking about friendships. I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about jobs. I'm talking about children. I'm talking about education. I'm talking about career. That's what he's going to give you double. Double for your trouble. You know, people used to say, my mother used to say to somebody who invited her around for a meal, I hope you've not gone to any trouble. I actually think she she was thinking, I hope you have gone to some trouble (laughs) because I want to eat something. Do you know what I mean? But God says, I know you've gone to trouble. I know you've gone to trouble. This is God's promise to us this morning. Whether you're here physically in this building or whether you're like many others listening to this podcast, God knows. God understands. God decrees. He declares this truth. Instead of your shame, you shall receive double honor. Instead of confusion, 
you shall rejoice in your portion, in your land, in your life, in your situation. You're going to get double, I'm particularly talking to people who have been through hell and have kept faithful. You're going to get double for your trouble. I want to read some verses from Zechariah chapter 9. Verses 9 to 12. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Maybe the musicians would like to come up. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. He's lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you also, because of the blood of your covenant. We've got a covenant, a grace covenant with God. I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Return to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today, I declare that I will restore double to you. Double to you. Isn't that a wonderful word? For God saving his people, that God is overlooking. He's coming. He set the agenda. He's promised. He's declared that he's going to give us double for the trouble that we've been through. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, you're a God who wants to bless us. What father doesn't want to bless his kids? It's a pitiful father who doesn't want to bless his children. God, you're no different. You want to bless us. You want to be with us. And Father, I pray that you'll bless us this morning as we continue in our worship as we offer up a sacrifice of praise, give us double for our trouble. Give us hope this morning in whatever situation we find ourselves in. And the blessing of Almighty God, the God of Isaiah, the God of Job, the God of Abraham, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, be among you all and remain with you always. Amen. Thank you.